for our confession this evening, and I'm going to read it. It's Article 10 of the Belgian Confession, the Deity of Christ. We believe that Jesus Christ, according to His divine nature, is the only Son of God, eternally begotten, nor made, not made nor created, for then He would be a creature, who's one in essence with the Father, co-eternal, the exact image of the person of the Father, and the reflection of His glory, being in all things like Him. He's the Son of God, not only from the time He assumed our nature, but from all eternity, as the following testimonies teach us, when they are taken together. Moses says that God created the world. John says that all things were created by the Word, which he calls God. The Apostle says that God made the world by His Son. Also says that God created all things by Jesus Christ. And so it must follow that he who, called, who is called God, the Word, the Son, and Jesus Christ, already existed when all things were created by him. Therefore the prophet Micah says that his origin is from ancient times, from eternity. And the apostle says that he has neither beginning of days nor end of life. That's Hebrews 7 verse 3. So then, he is the true eternal God, the Almighty, whom we invoke, worship, and serve. Our reading this afternoon is from Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. prophesy. And, and I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapour of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the day of the Lord comes the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. 
my flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of my life, and you will make full of glad and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of, of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of all that we are witnesses, of, sorry, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. That's our text verses. Well, verse 36, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God <coughs> has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. That's the topic, God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, many over the centuries have doubted that Jesus is God. This is mainly because they had a different expectation and understanding who Jesus is. Or they did not understand the prophecies of the Old Testament. Even John the Baptist had his doubts in Matthew 11. Jesus did not fit into John the Baptist's expectation about a savior of the world in Israel. He thought that God's grace was for Israel alone. That Jesus' coming would bring an end to all of Israel's enemies. This is precisely what people are doing through the ages with Jesus. Some considered him no more than a freedom fighter for oppressed and poor freedom theology. Others see him as only a good model of how people should live their lives, liberal theology. Also with this whole pronoun debate to change the name of God the Father and Jesus the Son, make it gender inclusive. Some regarded him just as a prophet, Islam. Others see him as the one who will give physical healing and prosperity. Prosperity theology. And who Christ is have been discussed extensively through the course of church history. But also in the early days of Christianity, of the church, Christ's divinity was disputed. 
a man by the name of Arius thought that Jesus is not true God. He claimed that there was a time when Jesus did not exist. This must mean that Jesus was created. Arius maintained that Jesus was not there from all eternity. <clears throat> but he was the first creature that God created. And to say that God was created, that Christ was created, means that he's not God. In response to this, concerning this matter, the Council of Nicaea, 325 AD, formulated Nicene Creed, which expanded upon the Apostles' Creed by adding the following. And you can read it if you have it in front of you. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and our salvation he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again in all glory to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom will never end. In opposition to the teachings of Arius, this creed confessed that Jesus is God in accordance to what the Bible says. And a statement of faith by the Council of Nicaea came into disrespute in later years, requiring the formulation of the Athanasian Creed. And this creed concerned itself in expanding who Christ is. And it also speaks of Christ's incarnation. He's coming in the flesh. And concerning Christ's incarnation, it goes on to say <coughs> that we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, is both God and human, equally. And to confess that Christ is God, true God, is no trivial matter, but necessary to everlasting salvation. And Athanasian Creed concluded that concerning Christ's divinity, this is the Christian faith, one cannot be saved without believing it, firmly and faithfully. And that's the essence of the Athanasian Creed. So the question is, who is Jesus? Kira de Bray was certain, clear who Jesus was. And under testimony of the word he declared in Belgian Confession, Article 10, Jesus is God. The apostles were also certain. And Peter claimed and testified that they were eyewitnesses in Acts 2, but also 2 Peter 1. And through the word, Peter clearly explained who Jesus was and is. He is the Messiah, the Son of God, and he was made Christ by the Father. 
a Bible passage and Apostles Peter's sermon was just after Pentecost. All of the apostles through the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was poured out, spoke, spoke in other tongues and were preaching the gospel, and everyone could hear the gospel in its own language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And they asked, perplexed, what does this mean? How could simple fishermen from Galilee talk this about God and preach about God? Some said they had too much wine. And then Peter stood up, together with the 11 apostles. And under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Peter provided the answer that the answer is always from the Bible, the ministry of the Word, and through explaining the Scriptures. The prophet Joel and King David gave answer. How is this possible? Only through Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah. Messiah, you crucified. And all Israel should now definitely know, in faith they should see, and their response lies in the fact that God made Jesus Lord and Christ. And from the word of God, Peter told of Jesus' birth. He explained and put in perspective his suffering, his cross, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. And he said that Jesus is Lord, God, Christ. That brought all the changes. He is the long-awaited Messiah. Christ is our Savior. He sits on the right hand of God, the Father, where He reigns. And Jesus received the name of God Himself. He is the anointed, the Messiah, the Christ. In the Old Testament, we know people were anointed by the prophets as they were appointed by God to a particular office, like that of a king. And so Saul was anointed as a king, Samuel and also King David that Peter preached about. But David died, passed away, and they can still see his tomb. Jesus did not. He's God. And Peter said, he's Christ and Messiah, the anointed one by God. So we also confess in Lord's Day 12 of the Heidelberg Catechism, he has been ordained by God, the Father has been anointed with the Holy Spirit to be our chief prophet and teacher, who perfectly revealed to us the secret counsel and will of God for our deliverance. The only high priest who had set us free by the one sacrifice of his body who continually plead our cause with the Father and our eternal King who governs us by His Word and Spirit, who guards us and keeps us in the freedom He had won for us. And God had made us Jesus, both Lord and Christ. He was called the Messiah. All the prophecies that a Messiah would come. And Peter showed from his sermon that Jesus is the Messiah who came. And our Savior is not only called Jesus, but Peter called him Christ, because God 
made as Jesus, both Lord and Christ. And this name brought change. Christ is Jesus' official name. It shows what he came to do and what he is. The supreme prophet and teacher who revealed the counsel and the will of God concerning our salvation. And Peter said that the prophet Joel prophesied, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's Jesus. Jesus taught that only salvation will be in him. Our salvation will be in him. And he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father except through me. And Peter showed he died, he rose, he ascended to heaven. He is seated at the right hand of God, where he seats for us with his Father. And he prayed for us because of his atoning death on the cross. He intercedes with us, with his Father. And Peter showed that he was raised that he sits on the right hand of God, where he reigns as eternal king for his word and spirit. He teaches us what is good and right, how he wants us to live, and what a glorious reward awaits us. If we are obedient to him, but also how terrible the punishment will be if we are disobedient and reject him. He helps us to understand his word correctly, make his commandments a joy and not a punishment. And Peter knew who Jesus was. He was an eyewitness. When Jesus asked his disciples in Matthew 16 verse 15, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter could confess this in faith alone. God had made it known through his Spirit. Verse 17, Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my but my Father, by my Father in heaven. Only through Jesus we can be saved. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And Peter preached, This is Jesus whom God made Lord and Christ. Jesus is God. And the Holy Spirit reveals this to us. Therefore, Kiro the Bread could also confess through the Spirit as we confess today as God's church. We believe that Jesus Christ, according to His divine nature, is the only Son of God, eternally begotten, not made, nor created, for then He would be a creature. He is one in essence with the Father, co-eternal, the exact image of the person of the Father, the reflection of His glory, being in all things like Him. He is the Son of God, not only from the time He assumed our nature, but from all eternity. But there's an implication. If I deny that Christ is God, there's no salvation for me. Arius said it many years ago. And he has many followers today. Example, the Jehovah Witnesses insist that they are godly people and that they read the Bible as the Word of God, yet they say of Christ that He's not God. And we confessed with the words of the Athanasian Creed 
that the salvation depends on the confession of Christ's divinity, that Jesus is God. Christ's divinity is therefore significant. And the denial of it has eternal consequences. Today the world is full of liberal theology as well. It starts with the premise that Jesus was just a man like any other human being. Just a normal son of two normal parents, Joseph and Mary. He was a good man, they say, a good teacher. A teacher who taught and demonstrated how to live a moral life. Concerned himself with the plight of the poor. But he was no more than a revolutionary. And so liberal theology today is but just a continuation of Arius theology. But also what about the Jews? As God's chosen nation. Will they be saved without Jesus? Jesus told us in the Gospels, and he told the Jews himself, that if they reject him, they reject God the Father. If they don't love him and welcome him as the Messiah and the Son of God, they don't love the Father. They don't welcome the Father. And Jesus said that in John 14, verse 7. John 5, verse 23. John 6, verse 45. And it's hard to imagine, imagine how much clearer Jesus could have made him to the Jews. That to reject him. To wait for another Messiah. Just to show that you do not have a relationship with the Father as well. And a saving relationship with God. God saves. This is true for Gentiles. Jews. Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, and all the secularists who live without the Lord. Jesus is the only way to God because he's the incarnation of God. But why is that? That if Jesus is not God, I cannot be saved. And so the heart of a catechism in Lord's Day 6, question and answer 17 states, why Christ needed to be true God. If Christ had not been true God, but just an ordinary man, he could not have carried the burden of God's wrath against the sin of mankind. Then Christ would have simply perished because God's wrath is too great for any human being to carry. Had Christ perished, there would have been no salvation. And therefore to say that Jesus is not God is to deny Jesus as my Savior. Therefore I have no salvation. It is to true Jesus' divinity and salvation through Jesus' death on Calvary cannot be separated from one another. Furthermore, if Jesus is not God, none of the works that he spoke would be of any benefit. The Bible says that Jesus speaks in the name of God. He spoke God's word because he is God. And if Jesus was just any man, by what authority should we believe God's word? And if the Christian faith were to deny that Jesus is God, Christianity 
would in essence no longer be different from any other religion. The fundamental difference between Christianity and all other religions is the matter that salvations depend on God's reaching out to us, not our reaching out to God. And with the baptism, it illustrated it this morning as well. God reaches out even to children. That all covenant promises are true because God has made him. God reached out to us and because of this, all his covenant promises are valid. All other religions believe that they have to reach out to God. Somehow impress God with good works and a good living. So that they might in turn be accepted by God. But the heart of the Christian faith is that God came to us through his son, Jesus Christ. God sent his son. My right hand will act. We didn't offer anything to God. We didn't have anything to offer to God. We didn't offer a mere man to God as a sacrifice. The Christian faith is God-centered. The word is God-centered. So says the Lord God. And the Christian faith believes that salvation through the gift of God to man, his son, true and eternal God. And his Jesus, Peter said. The son of the living God. The true and eternal God. And so, Peter the Bray says, we must follow him who is called God, the Word, the Son, and Jesus Christ. And he already existed when all things were created by him, John 1. This is the Lord we worship, we serve. And the Word can't be clearer. Only through Jesus you can be saved. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, you have given your only son. You've reached out to us. Chose us. And it came from you to us. So that we can accept in a true faith all the benefits that you have given through your son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And he is God. He is your son. Your only son. Father, we thank you this evening that we can share in this through faith that your Holy Spirit gives. The Holy Spirit was poured out that day on Pentecost. And that through your prophets and your word, you made it clear that Jesus Christ is the living God, the only Lord, the only Savior, he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is God, eternal God, the Almighty, whom we invoke, worship, and serve. Amen.